Welcome to More Than Myths. I'm Haley. Oh, I'm Corinne. We haven't introduced ourselves for a really long time. <laughs> you are not wrong. I am not wrong. Not, not wrong. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a weird night. Uh, yeah. What did you text me today? Listening, you were, I asked you if we were weird and all you responded was like, a hundred ha ha ha's and said yes we're weird <laughs> yeah well i was listening to the unicorn episode because i hadn't listened through all the way yet oh yeah and we get really awkward with the whole like breasts and unicorn thing yeah <laughs> and I, I was, it was like, uncomfortable i was cringing but also laughing so i was like <laughs> maybe could have deleted it maybe didn't no. need to delete it i'm sure it was no. fine it's probably fine <laughs> that's funny uh, oh my gosh you should show everyone your uh, slime bat. I can't call is, is it actually oh, it's called sorry. a bat slime it's a bat slime it's he's so adorable Look, he's he's ador- does he have a name uh, Rupert <gasps> I love it I, I so. love it I love him he's so also, cute and of course it would be a bat this oh my god do you see what this says i see it will you read it for our friends i will it says mary ann bright mary ann bright and the color scheme what is that is red and white and green yes because bring on the fucking holidays says corinne bring on (laughs) christmas (laughs) if you don't know if you're just tuning in corinne loves this season i love christmas <laughs> it's her favorite <laughs> i just get really into it oh that's great and it's, then it's fun yeah. <gasps> what are you drinking i don't have a drink i'm drinking I wine I, could, I guess i could bear through that awful peach cider i feel like you should bear through the awful peach cider it's terrible i have go to get it. get it <sighs> go get it i'll be right back all right i'm gonna tell everybody things I'm going to whisper sweet nothings into Haley's ears because she's still on her headphones and she can hear me, but she can't respond. Um, of course, I'm drawing a blank, so I'm just going to sit here and drink and talk and drink. I wonder what Haley's going to talk about. Don't know. What am I going to talk about? I'm back. Hello. Sorry. Hello. Hi. The journey to the kitchen is quite short. Quite short. Just like you. Short and sweet. <laughs> that was snappy. Hey. <sighs> short and sweet. That's Haley in a nutshell. Okay. This is- Honestly, I was going to make a short joke as you left. And then I made a short joke when you got back. That even worked even better. Even better. Even better. You should have done it both times, but... Yeah, I did. I couldn't. <laughs> I had to think about it way too long. It was. <laughs> it's fine. It's a bourbon barrel peach cider. See, 
That sounds like it should be delicious. Or way too sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> Just got to plug your nose. It's not good. Oh, oh man. God. How much sugar is in this freaking thing? Does it going to tell me? Oh, no. I'm not drinking that. Why? It has 16 grams of sugar. Okay, but Coke has like 25. So I don't drink Coke. I don't drink Coke either, but I'm just saying it. you could be yeah, drinking Coke. Comparative, comparatively. <laughs> There's All at right, least alcohol enough. in that. Not enough. Well, it that's true. Like, it says it's semi-sweet. That's a lie. It's all sweet. No, it's all sweet. Wow, 6.9% alcohol by volume. Whoa, that's a solid cider. It's gonna. It's a solid cider. I just say you shotgun it and call it a night. Wow. <laughs> Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Oh my God, we made it. We made it. I know Fridays don't count for me. Like, even if they're productive, if they're not productive, Fridays just don't count. Ugh, they're almost the yeah. weekend. It's almost the weekend. Everything after work is the weekend. So, why not start yeah. early? Why not start early? And as well get a kickstart kickstart I feel like we just recorded but it's been a week yeah right mm-hmm. anything crazy oh anything not, crazy happened not really uh, uh I got my booster I oh yeah yeah went to the bookstore is a really good book again Corinne I go like every week. <laughs> Did you buy seven books this time? Yeah. Seven more books? Yeah. Haley. Corinne. Did you, you need to get you need to get I'm you need to shocked. catch up. You need to catch up. You I know. Need, I honestly go haven't together. been to the bookstore in so oh, long. Too long. Too long. <clears throat> too long. Yeah. I don't even know what I got. It was a good book day though. I got <laughs> What did I get? <laughs> I don't remember. But it's, I, I get too many. It's, yeah. I set myself a limit. Listen, I have a budget. I have a budget set out. So it's not like crazy. Do you follow the budget? Yeah. Only when I go over by $12. Oh, okay. Is well, that yeah, that one doesn't count, remember? That one doesn't count. We did right. the math. We did the math. It all worked out. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But other than that... Correcto. Not anything crazy. Cool. What about you? You're the one with the crazy busy life. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honestly, like work's been crazy. <clears throat> That's about it. <clears throat> That's good though? Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's great. Um, That's Uncle B's coming next week. He'll be here. Yeah. It's going to be nice. Going to get part two of Ragnarok. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Because I don't know that story. I don't know it. I have heard it. I wouldn't say that I know it. <laughs> I don't know that I've even heard it ever. Mm. I listened to Neil Gaiman's Oh. Norse mythology 
Yeah, okay. A few years ago, probably. Yeah. I think it was our first trip when we went to Mount Hood when I was pregnant with Permi. Oh my God, I remember that. And you cried going up to the... Oh God, that trip. <laughs> that trip was interesting, I will say. That trip was equal parts magical and equal and parts awful. Exhausting. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Remember when yeah, I fell? Oh, God. Yes, I do remember when you fell. That's the forefront of my mind because I tried to catch you and, like, sacrifice oh, myself. God, that was awful. <laughs> All of it. It did not. And I it couldn't was... get in the hot tub. That's, like, I'm still bitter. Oh, that was the worst. I couldn't get in. <laughs> still hold on to that years You guys later. are, like, you guys were all warm. You're like, we're so warm. I'm, like, fuck you all. I hate you. <laughs> it was fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That. So, yeah, we listened to that book, you know. Yeah, five and a half years ago, or yeah. five years ago. Um, it, yeah, wow. Five years in in April. That picture that I sent you today yeah. on Instagram—that was from 2014. I know, I like a baby. We look like a bunch of babies. Bunch of babies. A bunch of babies. Did you laugh at my page boy haircut comment, or did you ignore that? I giggled, but I didn't respond because I was too busy writing notes. <laughs> okay, good. I was like. Oh, God, I hope I didn't push it too far. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. You got this no, little didn't, bowl cut. Didn't, didn't you once call me an orphan? I don't recall. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. I don't think I did that. I don't think I would ever say something me? so fucking mean. And if I didn't get mad about that, I don't think I'm going to get mad about you saying my haircut looked was, like a page boy. It looked like a page boy. It did. There's just no other way around it. It's so short. Oh my gosh, it's so short. It was funny though. I agree. I did have a giggle, giggle, but then I had to put my phone down and focus. And you had to work. That's I had to work. It makes sense. Um, (laughs) we just want to say hi to all of our new listeners. Yes. Yeah. There's a few of you out there. So thanks for being here. Yeah. We know it. We see it. We love it. We do love it. It's actually really exciting. I know. New people pop up. Every time we get new curious friends, we are just like greedy dragons. Oh my gosh. We're just like, we're going to keep you. The most, <laughs> the most greedy dragons. The most I wish greedy dragons. I wish you could do it in the voice of Smaug. That would be great. I don't think I have the capacity to sound like I don't either. At all. No, not at all. I'm just saying I wish I could. Me too. Just pull that out every once in a while at dinner. Like, oh my God. Now I'm going to learn it. That's going to be my party trick. <laughs> I can sound like I a I want to learn it with you. I want to learn it with you. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Excellent. I mean, there are worse things we could do as a party trick. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, I was talking with my family today. We have a group chat going because we're getting a vacation planned in the spring. And we're leaving out of Orlando in April. And everybody's kind of talking about their flights. I was like, oh, I, you know, everybody's kind of thinking about this thing. And every, and I sent a text and I was like, I was just trying to figure out how I could go to Harry Potter World before or after. <laughs> of course you were. And then everybody made fun of me. Oh, nicely. That tracks. Well, they, they nicely if, made they fun didn't. Of me. If they didn't, you'd have to wonder what was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My brother's like, nerd. 
I was like, no. Sorry. <laughs> I'm there. Do you have a problem? <laughs> like, you're lucky I'm not trying to fit a whole Disney World trip in. Like, I'm actually surprised that you're not. <laughs> you know, the night is young. The night is young. The trip is months off yet still. <laughs> I also was looking at Disneyland stuff yesterday and Josh was sitting there and he's like, I was like, oh, look at all the holiday decorations. He's like, you've been three times this year. And I was like, but not for the holidays. And he's like, that is the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. And I was like, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Thanks for thanks for checking me on that. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it as it came out. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I just like Disney. Okay. I've been once. I can't wait to take you again. I think once. Sometime in yeah. your life. I think it would be great. You're Next going. Halloween, right? With me. With yeah. You. We're doing Next it. Halloween. I'm so Halloween. Excited. All right. You ready? Yeah. Is you? It's me. Perfecto. All right. Today, we are going to learn about the Overholster Mansion in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. Overholster? Overholzer. Oh, okay. H O L S E R. Gotcha. Overholzer. Um, so I got this idea because a friend of mine was actually in Oklahoma City last week and visited this mansion. Ooh. And then she posted about it. She's got all these amazing photos. And I was like, what Ooh. is this place? And then she's like, oh, and it just happens to be haunted. I was just like, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay. I was kind of wanting to do a history topic and ghosty. I'm still not over ghost season, apparently. Not, no. So I'm just going to go creepy into creepy into creepy. Perfect. Until I'm it. over it, apparently. Well, I guess I did <laughs> unicorns last week, so that's fine. I mean, <laughs> but they were kind of scary. True. True. <laughs> um. So... First, we're going to start with the history of the house a bit. So Henry Overholzer is the original owner of the house, and he's actually from Ohio, and he's a businessman in real estate and mercantiles and had also some, like, interests and investments in lumber companies all over Ohio and Michigan. Um, So in the 1880s, 1890s, he actually moves to Oklahoma which was Indian Indian territory at that time and is starting to grow. It's starting to have some city base and um, he shows up with a railway full of like structures and ready made buildings. And he's going to help build up Oklahoma city. Um, And he was actually so involved in so much of Oklahoma city's history. And like he picked where the fairground was and the opera house and so much like there's tons of stuff wow. named after him there. Um, so he's actually considered the father of Oklahoma city. Cool. Um, and so him and his wife, who we'll talk about in a moment, um, decided they're going to build this big, great house. And it was funny because it was like outside of the city and now it's definitely, it's still in Oklahoma city proper. Um, but at that point it was, take a sip um 
at that point it was outside of the city like you had to take a train to get oh, to yeah. this part of town you know they're like wow you're moving out to the country <laughs> and so now it's not that far but from what i understand at least so um he is actually like his goal is to build this really like beautiful home kind of chateau style and influence the neighborhood and he's like if i build something nice people will also want to have something nice out here and to try to match it because he also is very you know well known and established in society like as oklahoma was growing so his wife uh anna murphy arrived in oklahoma in 1889 from harrison arkansas and she had a reputation of being very beautiful and was sought after in Oklahoma society. So she actually ended up marrying Henry in October of 1989 of the year. So the year she moved there. Um, okay. And, you know, took to helping Henry build or was really involved with everything Henry did and whatnot. They had two children. Uh, first was Henry Samuel, who was born in 19, uh, sorry, 1891. But he okay. only lived to be six months old. Oh, no. Sadly. Um, and then they had a daughter who they named Henry Ioni. And her and she was born in 1905. And she actually was born in this house. Okay. So in 1903, Henry and Hannah decide to... Anna, not Hannah. Uh, decide <laughs> to build this big, beautiful house and spare no expense. Um, kind of making it the icon of society. And Henry and Anna at that time were oh were known once the house opened like for their housewarming party their you know just parties in general weddings events all kinds of things were hosted at this house because they put so much work and so much money into it sure um so they actually at one point point hosted the president and the first lady at the time i don't remember i think it was mckinley but don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, they were very, they did everything for this house. Um, when it was in construction, they actually bought someone, brought someone from France to hand paint all wow. of the interior. So when you look at like pictures of this house, it is all very detailed and intricately done it was all hand painted and it took that person two years to do the entire house wow yeah the house is three stories and has 20 bedrooms wow yeah uh the first floor let me look at my notes i have the pamphlet my friend sent me all this information that's so cool (laughs) she's like i have pamphlets do you want me to send pamphlets i'm like yes send the pamphlets please um so the first floor was um main entrance receiving area main staircase the drawing room or parlor um the music room the smoking room the dining room the kitchen the second floor is the uh blue bedroom bathroom the maroni room swipe (laughs) the master bedroom uh sitting room and the nursery and then the third floor 
was, I believe, like the playroom and the nanny suite. Okay. So 20, 20 rooms, not 20 bedrooms. 20 rooms. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So okay. I know I heard 20 That's rooms. That's still a lot. Like, it's still a lot, but yeah. It okay. definitely, yeah. It definitely Understand. changes a little bit when you're like, yeah. okay, okay, there's this and this and this and this. And right. This. Okay. Yeah. Um, But so much detail went into the crown molding. Um, It had hand-painted glass in the dining room which has like these grapes on it just really really beautiful work um all of the furniture was flown in or not flown in um brought in from different parts of europe um english carpets french stained glass um and then brussels lace curtains just wow top top dollar on all of it yeah spared no expense Okay, John Hammond. You said it first. I'm John Hammond. <laughs> Simple it, as that. It's okay. <laughs> um, as I've already mentioned a few times, they were Henry and Anna were very much part of social life um, in Oklahoma City, and their house hosted weddings, dinners, events, all kinds of things. It's the center oh, and hustle and bustle of Oklahoma society. Um, in 1911, Henry had a stroke, and it actually left him completely unable oh, no. to take care of himself or do anything Sad. anymore. Um, and he died in the house in 1915. Okay. Um, the house went to Anna, who took care of it until she passed, and then it was handed down to her daughter, Henry Ione. Um, and her husband at the time was David Perry. Did she also, did his wife also die in the house? Um, I didn't see anything about okay. how Anna died or where she died. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but quite possibly, I mean, they didn't sure. move anywhere else. This is where yeah. they lived. And that's where actually Henry Ione lived until she died in 1959. Holy cow. So wow. okay. once she passed away, she left the house to her husband, David, because they didn't ever have children. Okay. Um, and it had been Anna's wish that when Hen- um, Henry and David were done with the house, that they give the house to the Oklahoma, like, give it back to Oklahoma City. You okay. know, she worked really hard yeah. on it. She's like, mm-hmm. give it back to our community and they can use it for whatever and all of the work that your dad has put in and whatnot. So... After Henry Ione passed away, David made sure that Anna's wish was made to come to fruition. And he was he gave it over to his the Historical Society of Oklahoma so that it could be preserved. And then in 1970, it was completed as a national register or on the National Register of Historic Monuments. Yeah. Um, and then two years later, the Oklahoma Historical Society actually uh, took over ownership for David and still own it to this day. So if you are ever in Oklahoma City, you can go on tours of this house. You are able to go do a walking tour of the house. You can also do a walking tour on YouTube where they give some kind of different oh, sure. information on the rooms and whatnot. Right. Um, they also have a ghost tour available Um so if you wanted to have a little bit more spooky experience, you could do that if you'd like. Um, 
One of the craziest things about this house, though, is that it still has all of the original furnishings. That's amazing. It only went from Henry and Anna to their yeah. daughter. Right. And then to the Oklahoma Historical Society. There was no reason. No one ever moved out. Wow. So everything that was curated and brought in yeah. is still there. You can go see it to this day. All the carpets are original. All the paint yeah. is original. Nothing has been restored or done anew. I did hear in a YouTube video I was watching that they did put electrical in it at some point. So sure, something happened. Yeah. But other than that, it doesn't look like they've done any kind of renovations or wow. restoration. That's crazy. Um, okay. Now we're going to talk about some ghost stories. Yes. Um, I did various research. I listened to a few podcasts. I watched a couple YouTube videos. I um, called my friend who was there to ask her if she ran into anything. <laughs> and she actually has a story. <gasps> so, um, where did I put that? Oh, I put this first. So, oh, got it. I'm on the right page now. Uh, people talk <laughs> about seeing workers in the basement and they talk about seeing the nannies on the upstairs floor. Um, there's activity spotted all over. Uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to was actually based in Oklahoma. Like they're a uh, haunted Oklahoma podcast. I think it's called Erioki. And <laughs> I know I was like, what a good name. Yeah. Um, and she said when she was there, she took pictures with live photos and she yeah. caught a couple of orbs on just her live photos Ooh. just from walking Ooh. around this house. Yikes. So um, <laughs> there's definitely activity yeah. all the time. Um, my friend who said was um, who was on the tour said that people who work in the Overholzer Mansion don't say that it's haunted. They actually oh, okay. call it inhabited. Oh. <gasps> Oh, I know. I was I like, I actually oh. really like that. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, it yeah, gave me chills left. too. I was like, oh, that's sweet. Oh, it um, is sweet. And she said there are definitely inhabitants still around. Yeah. So, um, personal story I wanted to share with you is that my friend who was there last week went on the tour in the middle of the morning, like ten or eleven a.m. Okay. And was looking around the house and they found an entrance, but they actually found like the back entrance on accident and went through like the friends and family okay. entrance and not through the main door. And she thought oh. she was, she was like, it, it was weird that that's how we found the way in. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, she said she also had a feeling like she's very sensitive, this kind of thing. And she said she had a feeling in her throat the whole time. Like she just couldn't get a like full breath. Like oh, she was struggling. Sure. So she was just yeah. like kind of felt off. Mm -hmm. Um. So they're looking around the house. They're talking to the tour guides and whatnot. And they get up to the third floor, and her boyfriend is walking in front of her down the hall. And he goes down the hall, and looks in a room, turns around to come out, head back towards her. And as he's walking towards her, the closet door by his side opens. <gasps> She's looking. He's looking. Nobody's there. <laughs> And apparently he's very skeptical. He's like, yeah, uh, he sure. doesn't believe in anything like this. 
And yeah. he's like, couldn't explain <gasps> how that door opened. What? And That's wild. And my friend's like, nope, we're done. Time to uh, go. Yeah. Absolutely not. You know? Thank and I'm you like, you guys were there in the be- morning? She's like, yes, the middle of the day. Like, these ghosts have no, no They're up. laws. They're, They're around. <laughs> um, saying, hey, getting ready for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing? <and> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um, and so, yeah, they went downstairs, told the people, they're like, oh yeah, we were up on the third floor and that closet door opened and the workers were like, oh, I guess Henry must be in today. That gave me full Uh, Yeah. I was just like, (laughs) holy crap. But seriously, I just did, as I said, I did some smattering of research and there are tons of stories. Sure. Um. So another story is a lady who was working there was closing up for the day. There was a patron out on the sidewalk and someone who hadn't been didn't know what the house was. And he's like, hey, who who lives here? And she's like, oh, nobody. It's, you know, a museum explains the history of the house and, you know, explains that she just closed up. There's nobody, nobody there. And he's like, that's so weird. And she's telling him a bit more about it. And he just kind of goes white. And he's realizing that she's not lying. Nobody lives there. Right. And nobody's in there right now. He's like, somebody was on the third floor. And I watched them open and close the curtains. <gasps> and she was just, and they were both like, Ugh. So, yeah, yeah, That's yikes. wild. Um, they also have security cameras. Okay. Like you would in a museum, especially with all this like invaluable uh, artwork and furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, and since nobody lives there, it doesn't make sense at all. But constantly the motion detector at night goes off on their security system. Stop. And they have no evidence. They don't have, they don't, they don't know why it's happening. And, it's just detecting motion. That's wild. Yuck. Well, but I don't feel like it's like a, they're not like malevolent ghosts. Mm-mm. Yeah, they're just there. They're just, you know, this is their house. It honestly just sounds like everybody who worked there and everybody who lived there just never left. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I heard one podcast where a worker was talking to somebody who was interviewing her. And she was in a boiler room down in the basement. And she found this really cool old school blowtorch. And she was like, wow, I'm going to bring this up and use it as decor. Like, because they were able to move stuff around, do that kind of thing. Because everything that was in the house, they could redecorate for Christmas, that kind of thing. So she brings it up, sets it in the kitchen by the stove, and, you know, doesn't think of it again. Every night for about a week, they get... Uh, notice from their security system saying that there's motion in the kitchen and she's not putting two and two together that this could be related at all and she's just like what and it's always like 10 p.m 2 a.m or really early in the morning you know just nobody's there and Mm -hmm. it's always like way into the the night time um so finally one night my nose is like plugged up. It's being weird. 
Um, finally, one night she is there with her husband kind of closing up and he's like, hey, where'd you get this blowtorch? And she's like, oh, isn't that so cool? I found it in the basement. And he's like, can you show me where you found it? And they go down to the basement and she's like, yeah, right here. And it's next to the boiler. He's like, you said that you've been getting notices in the kitchen, right? And he, she's like, yeah. He's like, you realize that the times that you're getting them is when somebody would generally needing to be lighting the boiler to get warm for the night. And they keep looking for this blowtorch that you put in the kitchen. And she was like, I did not. She said she would never would have thought of it like that until her husband put it into perspective. And they moved it back into the boiler room and they didn't have a disturbance in the kitchen again. I don't. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, another story. The groundskeeper was out working in the yard one day and he didn't think he thought he was the only one there, but he wasn't sure people are in and out all the time and he, you know, didn't think anything of it. Then he starts hearing his name being called. And so he looks around the grounds. It's not coming from outside. Finally, he goes to look in the house, even though he thinks nobody's there. He's just like, I'm like, it's gotta be. Someone's gotta be here messing with me or in the house. Goes to the house and doesn't find anybody. No one around, no one close. No one's there. Goes outside and the screaming, someone's screaming his name again. And he can hear it coming from inside the house after he just did that full check in all the rooms and all of the like spaces. It. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that one either. I don't like that one. The screaming um, gets me. Yeah. Yuck. Um, the last little tidbit is that most often, and the ghost who is most seen is actually Anna. And she's seen in her white pearl gown that she wore the night that the president Aww. was at her house. And so she's in her finest, and she's the one who people see the most frequently. Oh, yeah. So I had my friend send all of her photos to, <gasps> that she took because I was like, I want to, I was like, did you take live photos? She's like, yes, I did. So I was like scanning all the live photos for pictures and for Sing. orbs, seeing if I could see anything. And there is one in Henry's bedroom. <gasps> on her on her camera roll I can see one in the corner like go and kind of <gasps> and I was like ah. and she was like, <laughs> she's like did you see it and I was like yes the one in Henry's room and she's like that's the one I saw too <laughs> gross so anyway but also cool over Holzer house for you that's amazing there you go wow I love a good not darkly haunted mansion yeah, yeah a light was... lightly haunted a light mansion. haunting <laughs> i'll just take a I light like haunting, a light please. haunting please <laughs> actually no hauntings absolutely no ghosts invited at all let's be very clear <laughs> i don't want any of it zero no thank zero. you zero I'm ready. Okay. Um, so it's been a pretty exciting week. Um, 
in the archaeology world. Yeah? Yeah. Have you heard about any of the stuff that's been going on? Uh, yes. A little bit. I saw like a tidbit on TikTok and somebody's like, why is it this national news? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Okay, so um, there was an article that I believe came out yesterday or the day before. Um, and in Egypt, there was a new cache of coffins, mummies, and artifacts um, that was found. Uh, I can't remember how many mummies it was. I could pull the article up. It's a lot. It's okay. a lot. Um, they found a series uh, of 22 interconnected tunnels in Saqqara. And they're deep. They're really deep. I saw the video of that. They were so, mm-hmm. so far down. They're huge, yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. <gasps> and I think the coolest thing that was discovered is a previously unknown queen named Neith. So she, we had no record of her. We had nothing about her. And yeah, it it's crazy it's so cool anyway so that's the first thing okay um oh sorry i have more about this they these mummies are actually from the new kingdom period which is odd for this area because typically in saqqara it's um discoveries from the old kingdom so they're dated anywhere from the 11th century bc to 6th century bc and each of the mummy sarcophagi show um like unique features individual features Mm -hmm. so it's thought that maybe it shows their likenesses or um you know what they what they might have looked like in real life Mm -hmm. um and their names are visible so it's a big (gasps) wow yeah it's a big deal uh they found an axe that was in the hand of a deceased yeah um they found a game statuettes um and there's been a bunch of other items that have been found another cool thing um this week was late early this week or late last week i think i think it was last week in northern egypt under a temple to osiris uh there's an archaeologist that's been working in this area her name's kathleen martinez and she's been here for nearly 20 years in this area wow and they discovered a 480 foot long tunnel located 43 feet under the ground i actually think it's longer than that i missed i think i missed a number i think it's over 4,000 feet long um she said that the excavation revealed a huge religious center with three sarcophagi a sacred lake more than 1500 objects busts statues golden pieces a huge collection of coins portraying alexander the great cleopatra and the ptolemies yeah. What? I know. <laughs> um, oh, that's what I saw because they had the yeah. coins with Cleopatra's face on There's it. It's like 200 coins. I know. Oh my God. It's all coming back to me. I know. It's crazy. Oh so, my God. Yeah. She said so the they most. they think it's Cleopatra? Possibly. <gasps> they think that she might be. It's possible that she, her and Mark Antony have been at the, are at the end of the tunnel and she, it was interesting because I saw a thing that said that Cleopatra said, no man will find me. And it's not a man. <gasps> oh, my God. That it's just a gave woman. me full body fucking chills. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Girl power. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. To the cool. max. 
Like, like the biggest yeah. fuck you girl power I've ever statement I've ever heard in my life. From how many years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> my God. I know. Yeah. And she's been here for 20 years. And A her legend. story, her story in itself is amazing. Like, I think that she went to school for law, I think. And then decided that that wasn't for her and kind of on a whim like yeah I'll have to do a thing on her story because I don't want to do it I want yeah. I'd rather tell the right stuff tell the right thing yeah um but she said the most interesting discovery is the complex of tunnels leading to the Mediterranean Sea and sunken structures exploring these underwater structures will be the next stage of her search for the Egyptian queen's lost tomb a journey that began in 2005 yeah so there's pictures of them like getting into boats and going out into the ocean to do these water dives to do excavations <gasps> underwater. Holy shit balls. I know. Um, she said a series a series of clues led Martinez to believe Cleopatra's tomb might be located in the Temple of Cyrus in this ruined city of Taposiris Magna. It's in Egypt's northern coast where the Nile River meets the Mediterranean. Um, so chief among them was the name itself. According to Martinez, Cleopatra was considered in her time to be the human incarnation of the goddess Isis, as Antony was considered to be that of god Osiris. Um, Martinez believes, believed Cleopatra may have been chosen to may have chosen to bury her husband in the temple to reflect this myth. Of all the twenty temples around Alexandria she has studied, Martinez says no other place, structure, or temple combines so many conditions as the temple of Tap Osiris Magna. Holy so, crap. It's really possible that... Well, and how long have people been looking for fucking Cleopatra? I mean, this woman herself's been in this particular area for over tw for 20 years. Right. Yeah. And they That's found busts. That's just her, though. That's like, just her. They found... Yeah, they found busts. They found... I think it was like 200 coins. wrote a play 500 mm -hmm. years ago about these yeah. people. Like, it's, it's crazy. This is not a new mm -mm. fascination. Yeah, I'm sure that that has been sought after for the entire time they've been so gone. many years. Oh yeah, yep. Oh man, that is so. Exciting. It's wild. It's it's crazy. Yeah, if she's discovered, it would be one of the most important discoveries of our century of all time. Yeah, I it mean, would be pretty big. I mean, it would be pretty big. Well, be no, you're right. I mean, it's it's it'd definitely be up there. Yeah, it, it would be. I mean, King Tut wasn't even a known person until we found him. Like, this is a nope. known person that we've been trying to find in to literally find. could be anywhere in the world. Anywhere. She could be anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, but she did say that no man would find her. <gasps> I know. I know. It's so fucking cool. Fucking cool. Oh, my God. That makes me so <laughs> happy. <laughs> so, speaking of King Tut. Um, it's actually the hundred year anniversary coming up, like oh yeah, in a couple of days. Oh yeah. my god, isn't it like the twenty so second? Yeah, I'm gonna give just a quick kind of I like remember. update. Yeah, yeah. The National Geographic actually came out with some really good articles. If you have the ability to go and check out this article, they have some of the coolest, like pictures i'm gonna go over some of it because it's fascinating there's a lot of stuff in here that um i wanted to kind of share yeah 
Um, we're going to touch on it just real quick because we've gone over the discovery of King Tut back in episode six. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Okay. Um, but so there was a guy, Lord Carnarvon, and I absolutely butchered his name in that episode. I kept calling him Carnivan. It's not. It's Carnarvon. Oh. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, well. I apologize, sir. Um, he sponsored a guy named Howard Carter in his search for the last tomb of King June Cotman. So um, Carnivan actually had been spending winters near the Nile starting in two- 1903. I almost said 2003. That's incorrect, Haley. Not 1903. <laughs> because he was in poor health. Um, he had been in an automobile accident and had suffered some injuries to his lungs, I believe. Um, his doctor advised him that it would that being in the desert air would actually help. And he said it breathing the desert air was like drinking champagne. Um, he hired Carter in 1907 to search for artifacts for his growing collection and to supervise excavations that he was funding. Um, the excavations were delayed due to world war one, but after in 1917 and for the next five years, Carter and his team of Egyptian laborers moved 150,000 to 200,000 tons of rubble. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's backbreaking oh. work, and it's hot, so hot. Oh yeah, it's a it was most yeah, is mostly fruitless. Um, they were going to give up the dig, and Carter convinced Carnarvon to just give him one more season, and he actually offered to pay for it himself, yeah. and he agreed. Uh, Carnarvon was like, "Let's give it one more shot." One so more shot. We're going to give it one more go. So Carter arrived back in Luxor in, on October twenty eighth. So just a couple of weeks ago, 1922, wow. and seven, uh, seven days later, he would write in his pocket diary, first steps of tomb found. Ah! Yep. They would then uncover 12 steps that would descend to a doorway that had been plastered over and stab- stamped with pharaonic seals on the 23rd. So in oh. how many days? A week. Not very many. 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 22, 23, 6. Is that right? 6. So on the 23rd and by the 24th, the entire doorway had been exposed. And the seals could easily read as Neka Peru. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Neka Neka Peruru. I don't. It has a name, which was (laughs) Tutankhamun's throne title. Okay. (laughs) I believe you. N-E-K-H-E-P-E-R-U-R-E. Neka Peruri. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee how it actually sounds is probably words, beautiful. Right. <laughs> <Those sounds. Yeah. laughs> um, the doors cut away and they find themselves actually again in a passage or not in a room. It's sloping down. It's filled with rubble. It takes two more days of digging and it brings them to a tomb and they are actually about 20 feet underground. Mm. They come to another doorway and the seals are still unbroken and they can read the name Tutankhamun. I'm curious if it's actually pronounced Tutankhamun, maybe. Probably butchering that one, too. Um, They make a small hole in the masonry, and Carter holds up a candle and looks in, and Carnarvon asks, can you see anything? And Carter replies, yes, it's wonderful. It's, I can't, like, even, that's crazy. So inside their golden beds, there's life-size guardian effigies, chariots that have been like kind of broken down in pieces to be able to be reconstructed. And there's a throne along with 
I think it was like 5,400 items in all over. Crazy. Um, they would discover that the tomb had four rooms, the antechamber, annex, treasury, and burial chamber. Um, but the tomb they noticed was actually unusually small for a pharaoh, but it was packed full of all sorts of stuff. Right. And I'm going to give you a quick rundown in just a minute. Um, they did find that the tomb had been broken into twice before, and the robbers were actually able to take small portable items. And it's actually now believed that the thieves made off with more than half of the royal treasury. Jewelry. <gasps> Jewelry, Whoa. not treasury, jewelry. But still. so that's still a lot of stuff. And that it's crazy and it was a how lot like intricate that it's they found, a lot. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So word gets out about this new tomb that's been found, and all of a sudden there are King Tut lemons. Like they name lemons after him. There's King Tut cigarette cards and biscuit tins. They even have they even had a biscuit tins. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> crazy i can't remember what the board game was called um but you'd have these little metal archaeologists that were on donkeys and they would go around a board searching for treasure oh <laughs> yeah okay. um egypt they call it like egypt mania like swept the entire globe there are movie theaters that are opened in cities that are adorned with sphinxes and columns and tomb frescoes and you know yeah. i mean we have one downtown yeah the so yep the egyptian <laughs> yeah pretty straight pretty straightforward <laughs> pretty straightforward yeah um so when lord carnarvon returns to england he's actually invited to buckingham palace for a personal audience with king george v and queen mary wow yeah. Um, Carnarvon gave the London Times exclusive rights to the unfolding story in return for 5,000 pounds of sterling and a percentage of future sales. Egyptian journalists were outraged. Um, the international press, because all of their reporters that were actually there, yeah. are scrambling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Egyptians would actually fl- like come in droves to the Valley of the Kings to see this because it was kind of this like remembrance of the great civilization that they are a part of. Right. So school children would have plays that would celebrate the young pharaoh. Um, they would have um, political leaders and poets greeted him as an Ed Tutankhamun as a national hero. Um, and he... Historia Christina Riggins said he reminds them of their past greatness and what their new nation, which only months before had won its independence from Britain, may achieve in the future. Mm. Yeah. So in February of the next year, um, Carter chips a hole in the wall of King Tut's burial chamber and he looks inside and he actually sees um, an astonishing sight. It's light revealed. He later wrote a solid wall of gold, but that wall of gold was in fact, part of a large gilded box. It was King Tut's sarcophagus. So inside of that were three more shrines and a quartzite sarcophagus. So inside of that sarcophagus, he would later discover were three mummy-shaped coffins nested inside of each other. I had no idea how many things are actually inside this one box. Like, nested coffins. It's wild. Um, So... Carnarvon joins Carter in the tomb for the less anticipated opening. Um, And less than two months later, the fifth Earl was dead from an infected mosquito bite that led to blood poisoning and pneumonia. Right. This gave rise to the mummy's curse because he opened the tomb and the mummy's curse brings about this death and misfortune to those who disturb the Pharaoh's resting place. 
I yeah. Mean, I know. That was the whole, go listen to the whole episode. Go listen we to the go, whole episode. We go into a lot more um, kind of what happened. Yeah. yeah. Power outages. Dogs, unfortunately, dying. Dude. It's wild. So trippy. <laughs> COVID. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, work would resume a little bit later, and Carter was supported by um, Lord Carnarvon's widow. Her name's Almina Carnarvon. Um, but when Egyptian authorities began taking a more active role, Carter actually stopped work in protest, like thinking this was going to do something, and he was actually barred from entering the tomb. Yeah. It would take nearly a year for him to regain access, only after he and the Dowager Countess had renounced all claims to Tut's burial items. Um, so the work resumed in 1925, and he focused on the nesting coffins. The innermost coffin was made of solid gold and weighed more than 250 pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, in the... Hang on. Let me find it. Okay. So the first shrine is this big outer box and it has 20 gilded wooden sections i mean it's big (laughs) inside of it is another gilded wooden frame which actually had kind of like pieces of wood that would come up and it held a linen cloth that had um gilt bronze rose shaped sequins sewn onto it Mm -hmm. inside of that was another smaller box which had 10 sections um, inside of that was another smaller box that had five sections. Oh, my God. Then inside of that box is actually, like, the sarcophagus base. Like, the sarcophagus it's box in, in, <laughs> in, in granite. I think it was in granite. Oh, my God. So then you'd open that, and then you'd have the first coffin lid, which is, like, your iconic what we have all seen. Right. Um, so you'd lift that up and then inside of that is three more coffins. So there's the first oh coffin lid, God. the second coffin lid. Um, yeah. So three nesting coffins, two embellished with gilded wood and an inner one of solid gold. Um, so then it had his mummy inside, which was crowned with the golden mask. The body was wrapped with many layers of linen, jewels and amulets. And then the three, coffin bases rested on a lion-headed bed. A lion-headed bed? I want to know how they got it. I am curious if they built it inside. I'm assuming that they built it inside of his tomb. That would be my guess, is that they built, because, I mean... How do you get like, that look, down the how stairs? Do you, well, I mean, yeah, did they put it to get, did they build it outside and then deconstruct it with the panels? Like, yeah, I'm really curious how they actually did. Because if this was granite, how do you get it down in there? I mean, they were amazing. Well, granite, Are, I mean, never mind. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. I don't, I don't know, know either. I also don't know. Okay, so when they were finally able to, like, get to his mummy, his body... Um, it took them seven days to unwrap him. Um, in the layers, how? <laughs> Just being took, careful, or like, yeah. And in between the layers, so they're trying to keep everything as like orderly as possible and keep track of how everything was laid out. So they had people drawing pictures. 
they had people okay. doing okay, okay. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that so, makes more sense. So he was wrapped 17 times. I'm sure it was more than that. Careful. Um, but it says, from the hands downward, the royal mummy has been covered by a libation, which has darkened the linen and hidden the details of the inlaid golden bands, which bear text edged with rows of beads. Like, the workmanship on this stuff is amazing. <laughs> it's just wild. Um, it's crazy. So it has... In the first wraps, um, it kind of, this article is really cool because it breaks down all of the amulets and things that were on his body for protection. Yeah. Um, so under the first, from the second to the third, he had six thin gold collars that was around his neck. Um, it was considered a divine intermediary between Egyptians and their gods. The vulture, serpent, and falcon was traditional iconotry of eternal protection. Um, the dagger, that dagger that I told you about that they think might have been made from a meteorite, um, was in this wrapping, Mm -hmm. was in this part of the wrapping, um, three through four, he had more, he had another dagger, he had jewelry, he had, um, his feet were in sandals and his toes were capped with gold, like little toe caps. Yeah. Um, yeah, he also <laughs> he also has like sandals on that have bows on the ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, four through five, uh, he had a bracelet rings on his fingers. Um, let's see. Uh, some of the rings had his had a likeness of him on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they had his name. Uh, six through ten was a necklace, another necklace around his um, the upper part of his chest. Like it comes way down. It comes like probably down to the top of his like maybe right to the middle of the bottom of your ribs. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, Eleven through seven had more. <laughs> I think in total he had more than a hundred and four. 50 amulets i think and like protective things on his body and they removed every one of them and they removed every one of them yeah to be able i mean i also i understand but i also don't for i I mean for science for science i understand (laughs) but also just leave him alone yeah so uh sorry That's it's my, that's a whole lot of protection you're removing. It's a on whole purpose. yeah, right. Yep, it was put there for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe just say, "Wow, look at this. Wow, this let's great. leave it alone. Let's leave it." <laughs> yeah, it took seventy days. I mean, we went over this in another episode. Um, in the last one, he had um. His, his, the headdress, uh, I'm not sure the exact name, um, but the back of his head was actually stuck to the mask oh, so yeah. firmly that it required a hammer and a chisel. So that's where they had to like break it free. Um, it says that they use hot knives for the purpose with, ex- with success. So to be able to get that off, um, he had a, um, he had, vultures i believe he had a book of the dead a funerary guide 
Um, he had a linen pad in the mask to like on top of his head. Yeah. And then on top of that, he had more crowns. <laughs> My like, God. It's yeah. It's wild how much stuff is, was on his person. Wow. Yeah. Um, He's Let's dripping. He, oh, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. In the, we'll go over this real quick, and then I'll we'll be we'll be done. Um, there were over four hundred four to twenty four inch tall figurines that were in his tomb that were inscribed with spells. Wow. Yeah. Protection spells. Probably. <laughs> I right. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine. Just say it. Odd. Some choices were made. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but nobody else did in 1920. You know, they should have listened to me. Six, seven. <laughs> yeah, so they should have. Where were you? Gosh. <laughs> uh, let's see. He had six chariots, um, that were found, and they were in more than 150 pieces. There was over 80 pieces of furniture. There were three adults' thrones and one child's throne. Um, there were fans, cosmetics, uh, more than 200 pieces of jewelry. Uh, there was lamps. He had 130 loincloths, 90 pairs of shoes and sandals. Um, he had 130 canes. And there's a lot of debate over whether he was actually active or if he was if he needed the canes or not yeah they're not really sure still how he died um there's a lot of debate yeah um he had knives (laughs) fly swatters um measuring sticks uh (laughs) there were 30 more than 30 wine bottles um (laughs) that doesn't seem like enough they were all labeled had their vintage um where they actually came from yeah, he had a bunch of bows and arrows, uh, armor, throwing sticks. Um, he had cabinets, a model boat. I think there was a couple model boats. So, yeah, it's it was the 100-year anniversary, so I thought it would be cool to kind of go over that again yeah. because it's, you know, the anniversary of one of the yeah. coolest discoveries that's ever been made. I know we follow, um, like national the egypt museum on our instagram mm-hmm. and they yeah. post some amazing photos yeah that museum is going to be insane if it's not it open already be. it's close, i don't think I it's think. open yet it's getting pretty close i think it's supposed to be next year sometime because yeah. i'm sure they're gonna have a big ceremony oh my gosh right yeah <sighs> so cool yeah it's gonna be amazing yeah but there you go there's an update. Well, I can't wait to hear about a Cleopatra update. Oh my gosh. I probably won't make it through the whole episode. No man. Without I Will know. Find me. I know. You're it's so fucking Fuck. cool. It's so fucking cool. For a moment. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Good. Thanks. Thanks for that update. <laughs> You're welcome. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we appreciate every single one of your ears so much. <laughs> if you don't follow us already, you should. 
check us out on Instagram. That's the place where we update the most. Facebook is our second in command only because Instagram posts for us to Facebook. <laughs> TikTok may get updated someday. Don't know. Not sure. We'll see. It's it's and fine. We're Twitter's busy. still here for today. But probably not tomorrow. Sometimes. YouTube sometimes. Oh, and YouTube. Oh, Twitter. Oh my god, all the don't even get me started. It's all it's, it's been, all it's wild. Really, it's all falling wow. apart. So it is falling apart. Definitely check us out wherever you social media we probably do. Um and we'll see you around there. Yeah. Or you can send us an email at more than at gmail.com if you don't want to Twitter at a tweet at us. What <laughs> is the right <laughs> tweet is correct perfect i knew i'd get it eventually for now maybe it'll be something different in a week yep uh wherever you podcast if you can just follow or subscribe um leave us a rating it just helps gives us more visibility gives the little pod just that little bump yep it sure does remember if you love us tell your friends tell your family and tell your neighbor yeah Yeah. tell your neighbor or if you have a friend that really likes all the things that we talk about haunted mansions or egypt tell them actually tell them don't tell your neighbor nobody talks to neighbors anymore i mean unless they're cool unless they're cool then tell them (laughs) until next time stay curious bye Welcome to More Than Myths. Hello. How are you? Ugh. I'm good. (laughs) I don't know why I made that sound. (laughs) I didn't hear a sound. I didn't hear you make a weird sound. I said, Ugh. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it's fine. Oh. Your door sounds scary. It is. It's treacherous. <laughs> Squeaky door. Like, we get it, yeah. door. You're scary. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. We need to keep rubbing it in our faces. We understand. Yeah, I- Ultra spooky. Yeah, I've been sleeping with it open lately, which is, in itself, is just the worst, but it's so much better than be woken up by a squeaky door, you know? Mm. Do you not sleep with uh, your door, you sleep with your door closed? Most of my life, yeah. Really? I go through phases, though, because there was a time, like, after I watched Paranormal Activity, I wanted the door open for a long time. I needed to see down the hallway. That movie was fucked up. But if I can't see down the hallway, I want it shut. Because I don't know what's coming anyway. I'd rather have the door notify me. <laughs> Something's coming to get me. <laughs> I love that. Notified by the door. <laughs> yeah.
I just don't want to be startled. Next, you're going to crinkle up a light bulb and spread it out. Last bus yeah. style. <laughs> when did they do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that show. <laughs> did you watch this week's? I did watch this week's. It was good. It was good. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, welcome no to spoilers. More Than Myths. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? Oh, no spoilers. No. Yeah. We're a spoiler for the show. Unless we tell you spoiler the entire free. movie that we... <laughs> Unless we tell you to skip, <laughs> you know, the next two minutes because we're going to spoil something. Right. Um, yeah, welcome to More Than Myths. Welcome to More Than Myths. We've been gone for a little bit. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, had some life shit go down. So... Yeah. Yeah, Haley was unable to life for a little bit. Unable so. to life. He was unable to life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, know, I was like, I don't know if you're gonna. I don't know. Elaborate. Uh, yeah, like, are we gonna elaborate, or people could just be like something really, something they, really they just. Something very sad happened, and you guys can just. Yeah, I haven't even posted about it on Instagram because I can't even like. Yeah, it's hard about it. Yes, I mean it's all right if I get like. Oh, oh, if I get overly emotional, then I'll say, I can't talk about this thing. I can't talk this about this about the. Uh, yeah, uh, Monday, uh, at the beginning of the month, we had to put our dog down, so. Yeah. It was really sad. It was unexpected. Uh, she was only nine, so. Yeah, it was a Same bummer. age as Olive, too. I didn't yeah. think about that. Really? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Olive was nine. Yeah. Yeah, same was. Just turned nine in September? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a big, big fucking bummer. Big fat bummer. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So that's why we've been gone because I can't yeah. handle life. <laughs> it's, She's getting better. I am getting better. I'm not. I'm sad, but it's not as overwhelming as it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Every day gets a little easier. Yeah. Until I have until, moments. Until everything falls apart. and Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. I lost it this afternoon for no reason. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even, like, nothing happened. I just started to cry. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, pet people that have pets, you know, I think they'll understand. It's shitty. I think that yeah. our animals should live as long as we do. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, that would be just, I, I don't know if I agree with you. <laughs> oh yeah? If it's that devastating to have to like say goodbye to them after nine years, I can't imagine. If well, they would die like at the same time as me, like 40. instantaneous, like, oh, like, like our lives are tied to together. Like, I'm not going to know. 
Yeah. I'm like, if I have to put a dog down that I've had for 45 years, oh my God, I would no. be, you know, no. like, I'm like, no. nine was hard enough. Nine was hard enough. Yeah. That I can't even imagine. No, I can't even fathom can't. it. No. <laughs> uh, well, besides, you know, just being super sad, what else have you been doing? Uh... Not too reading much. Anything. Reading, yeah, yeah. I'm reading. What am I reading? Uh, Jade Legacy. I think it's the second book in the Greenbone Saga. I think is what it's called. It's really good. <laughs> I was nice. talking to Chris about it the other night, and I was like, "It's not old. It's new." And he like looks at me. I was like, "Set in newer time, like more modern." <laughs> modern I was gonna say. <laughs> he started to laugh he's like it's not old it's, it's new old. <laughs> yeah so that's I'm what i'm gonna that. call all modern fiction it's not <laughs> it's old, not old. <laughs> it's new yeah i mean if they don't they should <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's better than modern modern's boring true but i'm reading that uh i had to decrease my reading list because there's no way I can read a 700 page book in a week. I just don't have time. I just no. don't have time. So I bumped it down to like 30. So I don't have as much pressure. For your reading goal? As, yeah. 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 Cause some of Good the books, call. I mean, the next book in the series is almost 800 pages long. I can't, I can't do that in a week. No. It's no. impossible. I can't even do that in two weeks. It With- should count for, like, a certain amount of pages should count for a book count. Like, yeah. 300 pages is a decent book. Yeah. So every 300 pages you read counts for one book. That would be great. But no. I mean, we can we can coin it. <laughs> That's true. We we'll just make our own. Way. We'll just make our own. Make our own rules. Read it. Yeah. There you go. What about you? Are you reading anything good? Yeah, you finished I just a book. Finished, yeah, I just finished a series. <gasps> I busted oh, through Oh, yeah, it. you told me about that. Yeah, I flew through it. It was so good. It was called It's a Deadly Education Series by Naomi Novak. And it was... She throws you in. Yeah. She's like, here, I'm going to use all this terminology. You're going to have no fucking idea what's going on. So I remember yeah. I started... And I did an audiobook on this one because I, I really like my fantasy series and audiobooks mm-hmm. because I can hear the names. I can, you know, it's a whole thing. <laughs> like the thing. like that Instagram, me and Shibble and yeah. Bob were <laughs> left Bob. from blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Um, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I know how to say this. So then if I have the physical copy, too, I can like look at it and then read it if I need to read somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. But Um, but so she throws you in, but it's like essentially a magical world set now. And it's not old. (laughs) It's not old. It's like now times. It's new. It's new. It's not old. It's new. Um, And it's about their like school for where they like send their like wizard or wizard kids. Oh, gotcha. All of them are called wizards. So, mm-hmm. um, 
But essentially there's these like bad entities called Maleficaria that will that eat children. Because the oh. like teenager mana is delicious and the most nutritious. <laughs> Don't <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. But um so they go to a school that's supposed to protect them. But essentially, yeah. the like the Malafikari get in and can <gasps> eat them at the school, so they have to be on their toes all the time. So it's like kind of Hunger Games, kind of like Harry Potter, but you know, a whole but a really diverse cast of characters. Like kids are from all over the world because it's mm-hmm. wizards from everywhere can only go to this one school, mm-hmm. and it's just so. Like, it's very inventive with the way how she, like, deals with magic. And um, anyway, I, I really liked it. I had to, I busted through it. I think yeah, it took me did. two weeks for all three of those books. Nice. That is so, awesome. Yeah, they're um, not very long either, which I like. And it's done. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not committing to another, like, right. you know, six series waiting. book that's not finished. Yeah. George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah, calling you out, man. Dude, I won't read it until it's done. I'm not going to invest my time. It's Yeah, and there's so many cliffhangers that you've been left with. Because I don't think it's going to end like the movie or the series. Yeah. At all. Because shit is... There's there's characters in the books that aren't in the show. Yeah. Yeah, he really needs to get his shit together. Okay, we're good. I had to get a straw. Ooh, what are you drinking? Kettle One Botanical Vodka Spritz. Ooh. What's that? It's APV? 4.5. Oh, It's okay. not a lot. Yeah. Light. I hope it just knocks me the fuck out, though. I'm so tired. Sick. Uh, yeah, it's cucumber and mint. It's a little too... Cucumber. Flowery. It's a little too yeah. like it tastes a little too much like like I'm drinking a bunch of flowers. Yeah. I have a hard time yeah. with um are you a person that cilantro tastes like soap? Because nope. I sure am. No, so, I love Lucky, cilantro. What does it taste like to you? Delicious. It tastes like a handful of soap. Straight just chewing on a bar of dove. It it is so refreshing and like like if cucumber was spicy. And not I love hot. that. If cucumber was spicy. Like not hot, you know, like not heat. But, but like, like spearmint. Yeah. 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 Um, I've discovered a new cocktail. Fantastic. It's my new signature cocktail. It's my new signature cocktail. Okay. It's called a French 75. Leave it to you to come up with the fanciest fucking drink. It's I didn't come up with it. I didn't name it. It's a you would adopt it though. Oh, I adopted the shit out of it. (laughs) What is it? It's prosecco. Okay. Champagne. Yeah. Either, and you pour a mix of gin, lemon, and simple syrup over it. Okay almost like a shot you almost put like a 
gin lemon drop shot into yeah. your prosecco. That's and that's it. it? That's that it. That sounds delicious. It's fucking amazing. But you love gin. I love gin. And you can make it French 76 if you make it with vodka. See, that's more my speed. Yep, I know. So, uh, my friend delicious. Katie was over yesterday, and she's the one who introduced me to French 75s when we went out one night. And I was like, Katie, do you want to make French 75s? And she's like, do you have this stuff? And I was like, I can <laughs> do get I have stuff. this stuff? <laughs> so, we looked who up how to make to? it. Because, like, we had had them at restaurants, but I've never made it at home. So we went and got the stuff at Safeway yesterday and made French 75s. That sounds amazing. It was so yummy. Sounds so good. I'll have to make one next time we record. Except yeah. I need someone with me because then I have like a whole bottle of champagne open. <laughs> and I should not drink a whole bottle of champagne by myself. <laughs> I can. But I shouldn't. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amen. Ian Malcolm. I have no idea whose turn it is. Uh, I don't either. I think it's... I'll go. I can go. You go. You just go. go. I'm just gonna go. Alright, um, because I really apologize and didn't have a ton of time to get ready, I'm gonna tell you a fairy tale. Because I didn't have a lot, I didn't have a lot of time between getting off work. Oh, you're good. And right now, to tell you a story. Love it. Um, would you like to guess what I'm going to tell you? It's a Hans Christian Andersen. Is it tale. the little fish girl? It is the little fish girl. Ah! I'm going to tell you the story of the little mermaid. Excellent. And I tried to like condense it down because it's pretty long, but... I also ran out of time, so I'm going to read my notes, and then we're going to go off of the rest of the book. <laughs> we're just going to Because I there. am the most prepared. I love it. I'm going to shut my door because it's open again. Okay. No problem. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't actually know when this story came out. I don't know when it was written, but it is interesting reading this and, like, the parallels to The Little Mermaid. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... There's a lot. Fucked up. It's fucked oh. up. Yeah, there's a lot of things though that like they took they put into the movie. Really? Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So here we go. Uh, far out in the ocean, in the deepest part, lies the castle of the sea king. He had been a widower for a a widower. A widower. <laughs> a widower for many years, and his mother kept house for him and helped take care of the king's six beautiful daughters. Who were mermaids, just in case you didn't know. Oh. How the castle stood in the deepest part of the ocean. It was built of coral and long gothic windows of the clearest amber. The roof was formed of shells that open and close as the waters flow over them. Their appearance is beautiful, for inside each of them lies a glittering pearl. Ooh. I always loved this story because it always sounded so like romantic and beautiful. Uh, the grandmother was very wise uh, but a little bit vain and she wore 12 oysters on her tail while others of high rank were only allowed to wear 6 each princess had a part of the garden where she could grow whatever she wanted and cultivated it 
to look like whatever she wanted. So one of the girls made hers look like a whale. Another made hers look like a mermaid. But the youngest child was thought by others to be a little odd. And she made hers round like the sun. And it contained red flowers. And in the middle of it, she put a beautiful marble statue of a handsome boy that had fallen from a shipwreck. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, they all loved hearing stories about the surface from their father and grandmother, but none more than the youngest princess, who was also the most beautiful, if you hadn't figured that out. Also. Duh. <laughs> Duh. And she has the most beautiful singing voice, which we'll find out in a while. Oh, yeah. Um, their grandmother told them that when they turned 15, they would be able to rise to the surface and sit on the rocks and see the world above. The following year, the eldest daughter would be 15, and each consecutive year after that, another daughter would turn 15. So the youngest had to wait for five years before her turn would finally come. Mm. A year went by, and the eldest was allowed to rise to the surface. When she came back, she couldn't stop talking about how beautiful it was to lie in the moonlight on the sandbank and see the town nearby and hear music, carriages, and the sounds of humans. The next year, the second sister received permission to rise to the surface, and she rose as the sun was setting. She said that the whole sky looked like gold, while violet and rose-colored clouds flo- floated above her. In the book, it talks about how she doesn't know how to explain clouds. Oh. Uh, she, she swam towards the sun, but it sank into the waves. Uh, the next year, the third sister, who was the bravest amongst them, and she actually swam up a river. Uh, she saw hills and palaces and castles, and in a narrow creek, she found small children playing, but they were frightened of her and ran away, and she was actually chased away by a small dog. The fourth sister was much more timid, and she remained far out to sea, but said that it was just as beautiful as near the coast. She could see for miles. She saw ships and dolphins and whales. The fifth sister's birthday came in the middle of winter, so she saw icebergs and a lightning storm. After their 15th birthday, the sisters were allowed to rise to the surface whenever they wanted, and it was often that they would all link arms and rise to the surface and sing. Sometimes there would be a storm, and they would sing to the sailors, not to be afraid if they sink to the bottom, but of course the sailors couldn't understand them, and thought it was just the howling of the storm. (laughs) The songs were never beautiful for them, because if the ship sank, the men would die, and their dead bodies alone would reach the palace of the sea king. What do they do with the dead bodies? (laughs) That's what I thought! I thought about that too. I was like, uh, so what do you do? What do they do? Yeah, what do they? I don't. I don't know what they did. Waste not, want not. At last. (laughs) Oh, gross. Uh, So at last, the youngest, the youngest sister turned fifteen, and her grandmother placed a wreath of white lilies in her hair. I know. (laughs) I was like, maybe they're sea lilies. And every flower leaf was half a pearl. And then she ordered eight great big oysters to attach themselves to the princess's tail, showing her high rank. But they hurt me so, cried the princess. Pride must suffer pain, replied the grandmother. (laughs) Finally, (laughs) Finally, she was able to rise to the surface, and the sun had just set. So as she was raising her head above the waves for the first time, the clouds were tinted with crimson and gold. The sea was calm, and a large ship was anchored near where she had surfaced. There was music and singing on board the ship, and as it got darker, a hundred colored lanterns were lit and strung up between the three masts. She swam closer to the ship and could look into the windows and see all of the people inside. Among them was a beautiful young prince. He, I don't know how the fuck she knew he was a prince, but regardless. She did. 
She did. She knew. He was 16 years old. I don't also know how she knew that. And had large black eyes. It was his birthday. Oh, when the prince well. came out onto the deck, more than 100 rockets were set off in celebration. The youngest princess stayed until all the lanterns had been put out and the singing and dancing stopped, and a great storm started, and it got so terrible that the mermaid realized that the crew was in danger. A huge wave crashed over the side of the ship, causing the main mast to snap, and the, wi- and the wind, and the ship was pushed onto its side and started to sink. She could see everyone that had been on board except the prince, but she spotted him beneath the waves, and she was glad because she thought he would be with her now. But then she remembered that humans can't live underwater, and he would be drowned when he made it to her father's palace. So she decided to save him just in the nick of time. In the morning, the storm had passed, and not a single part of the ship could be seen. They had finally reached a bay, and the little mermaid left the prince on the beach and swam back out into the bay and placed herself between some high rocks that rose out of the water, where she couldn't be spotted, and waited to see if anyone would come rescue the prince. She didn't have long to wait when a young girl came upon the prince and went for help, and the prince woke up and smiled at the young lady, which made the little mermaid very unhappy because she was the one that had rescued him. Watching the prince be led away into the castle, she turned away and dived beneath the waves, returning to her father's castle. Her sisters all asked what she'd seen, but she didn't tell them anything about the celebration, the lanterns, the storm, or the handsome prince she'd saved. She was listless and sad. She didn't tend her garden or take pleasure in anything anymore. Finally, she got to the point that she told one of her sisters about what had happened, and of course, all the other sisters found out, and eventually they took her to her palace. To his palace. Knowing where he lived now, she returned day after day to to catch a glimpse of him. She would see him often out in a boat or on the beach, and she would hear the sailors talk about what a kind and good prince he was, and she was happy that she'd saved his life. It got to the point where she became more and more fond of humans and wished to be able to wander around with those whose world seemed to be so much larger than her own. (laughs) Bitch. So the little mermaid went to her grandmother and asked her if humans could live forever or do they never die as they did. Her grandmother told her that yes, they do in fact die, but their lives are so much shorter than mermaids. They Mermaids could live more than 300 years, but when they cease to exist, they would only become the foam on the surface of the ocean. And they would not even have a grave down here. Mermaids have no immortal soul. And they wouldn't live again, but human beings have a soul which lives on forever after the body has turned to dust. Why don't mermaids have souls? I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. I don't, I mean, I. it's part of the story, but I don't get, I don't get why. Probably. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Han, Hans Christian Andersen was religious, but. Probably. It wouldn't Probably surprise me. Probably, like, humans, like, humans are the only ones who have souls have a soul. in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, animals don't have souls or anything, you know? So it's like, maybe that's... Maybe. That's all I I mean, that makes of. sense. Uh, baloney. See. It is baloney. Uh, let's see. Uh, the grandmother explained that the only way that a mermaid would have a soul is... Unless a man were to love you so much that you were more to him than his father or mother, and if all his thoughts and all his love were fixed upon you, and the priest placed his right hand in yours, and he promised to be true to you, here and hereafter, then his soul would glide into your body, and you would obtain a share in the future happiness of mankind. 
He would give a soul to you and retain his own as well, but this can never happen. Your fish's tail, which amongst us is considered so beautiful, is thought on earth to be quite ugly. They do not know any better, and they thought it necessary to have two stout props, which they call legs, in order to be handsome. So fucked up. Yeah. Uh, so that evening, there was going to be a ball. Uh, the walls and ceilings of the large ballroom were of thick but transparent crystal. Hundreds of colossal shells, some of deep red, others of grass green, stood on either side in rows with blue fire in them, which lighted up the whole saloon and shone out through the walls so that the sea was also illuminated. Fish swam in and out of the crystal. On some of them, scales glowed with purple brilliancy. On others, they shone like silver and gold. Uh, let's see. Um, through the halls flowed a broad stream, and in it danced the mermen and the mermaids in the music of their own sweet singing. No one on earth had such a lovely voice as theirs, and the little mermaid sang sweet, more sweetly than them all. The whole court applauded her with hands and tails, and for a moment her heart felt quite gay, for she knew she had the loveliest voice of any on earth or in the sea. But she soon again thought of the world above her, for she could not forget the charming prince, nor her sorrow that she could not have an immortal soul like his. Therefore, she crept away silently out of her father's palace, and while everything while was within was gladness and song, she sat in her own little garden, sad and alone. Mm. So when she her hears, crab friend she, came to sing to her. <laughs> well, she heard a bugling sound through the water and thought, he is certainly sailing above, he on whom my wishes depend, and on whose hands I should like to place the happiness of my life. I will venture all to him, and to, and to win an immortal soul while my sisters are dancing in my father's palace, I will go to the sea witch, for whom I have always been so much afraid, and she can give me counsel and help. So she left her garden and took the road to the foaming whirlpools behind which the sorceress lived. She had never been this way before, and nothing grew there, nothing but bare greasy, gray sand stretched out in the whirlpool where the water, like foaming mill wheels, whirled round everything that it sees everything that it seized. Through the midst of these crushing whirlpools, the Little Mermaid was obligated to pass to reach the domain of the Sea Witch. And also for a long distance, the only road lay right across a quantity of warm, bubbling mire, called by the witch her turf moor. I don't know what that means. Beyond this stood her house, in the center of a strange forest, in which all the trees and flowers were polypi. Polypi? 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 Half animal and half plants. Okay. Well, they're half animal, half plant thingies. They look like serpents with a hundred heads growing out of the ground. The branches were Ew. long, slimy arms with fingers like flexible worms, moving limb after limb from the root to the tip. All that could be reached in the sea, they seized upon and held fast so that it never escaped from their clutches. Yeah. The little mermaid was so alarmed at what she saw that she stood still <laughs> and her heart beat with fear. And she was very nearly turned back, but she thought of the prince and of the human soul for which she longed. Her courage returned, and she tied her hair up in a bun so that the polypi couldn't seize it. She swam as fast as she could through the water between the supple arms and fingers of the ugly polypi, which were stretched out on either side of her. The white skeletons of human beings who had perished at sea and had sunken down into the deep water Skeletons of land animals, oars, rudders, and chests of ships were lying tightly grasped by their clinging arms. Oh. She came to a space of marshy ground in the woods. In the midst of this spot stood a house built with bones of shipwrecked human beings. <clears throat> there sat the sea witch, 
allowing a toad to eat from her mouth, just as people feed a canary with a piece of sugar. Ew, are there sea toads? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at the bottom of the ocean. No. No. They're amphibians, which means yeah. they need Hans air Christian and Anderson water. was just making stuff up. Yeah, he's just making he's just stuff, making up. stuff up. Like mermaids. Uh, like mermaids. And the fact that they don't have a soul. Yeah. God. That's Super absolutely amazing. outrageous. It's ridiculous. Of course they have mermaids souls. Not have a soul. <laughs> I wish I could do a scary voice. I know what you want, said the sea witch. Come in. Come in, Come my in. child. <laughs> it is very stupid of you, but you shall have your way, and it will bring you to sorrow, my pretty princess. You want to get rid of your fish's tail and to have two supports instead of it, like human beings on Earth, so that the young prince may fall in love with you, and that you may have an immortal soul. You are but just in time, said the witch, for after sunrise tomorrow I should not be able to help you till the end of another year. I will prepare a drow? Draw? A, draw? How do you... S- draw? Draw. Draw? Draft? <laughs> Draft? I'll draw. prepare a drink for you. <laughs> <laughs> With which you should you must swim to land tomorrow before sunrise, sit down on the shore and drink it. Your tail will then disappear and shrink up into what mankind called legs, and you will feel great pain as, as, a sor- as if a sword were passing through you. But all who see you will say that you are the prettiest little human being they ever saw. You will still have the same floating graceness of movement, and no dancer will ever tread so lightly. But at every step you take, it will feel as if you are treading upon sharp knives, and that the blood must flow. If you will bear all of this, I will help you. Yes, I will, said the little princess in a trembling voice as she thought of the prince and the immortal soul. But think again, said the witch, for when once your shape has become like a human being, you can no more be a mermaid. You will never return through the waters to your sister or to your father's palace again, and if you do not win the love of the prince so that he was so he is willing to forget his father and mother for your sake and to love you with his whole soul and allow the priest to join your hands that you may be <laughs> that you may be man and wife, <laughs> then you will never have an immortal soul. The first morning after he marries another, your heart will break and you will become foam on the crest of the waves. I will do it, said the mermaid, and she became pale as death. But I must be paid also, said the witch. It is not a trifle that I ask. You have the you have the sweetest voice of any who dwell here in the depths of the sea, and you believe that you will not that you will be able to charm the prince with it also. But this voice you must give to me. The best thing you possess will I have for the price of my ocean my own my own blood must be mixed with it that it may be as sharp as a two-edged sword but if you take away my voice of the little mermaid what is left for me your beautiful form your graceful you walks you have your looks your pretty <laughs> face <laughs> yeah <laughs> and your expressive eyes surely with those you can enchain en- a man's heart well have you lost your courage Put out your little tongue that I may cut it off as my payment. Then you shall have Whoa. a powerful potion. Wow. <laughs> have you never read this story? I have. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. It's fucked up. I forgot about the tongue. Yeah. It shall be, said the little mermaid. 
Then the witch placed her cauldron on the fire to prepare the magical potion. Cleanliness is a good thing, said she, scouring the vessels with snakes, which she had tied together in a large knot. Then she pricked herself in the breast and let the black blood drop into it. The steam that rose formed itself into, into such horrible shapes that no one could look at them without fear. Every moment the witch threw something else into the vessel, and when it began to boil, the sound was like the weeping of a crocodile. When at last the magical potion was ready, it looked like the clearest water. This, there it is for you, said the witch. Then she cut off the mermaid's tongue so that she became dumb and would never again speak or sing. If the polypi should seize hold of you as you return through the woods, said the witch, throw over them a few drops of the potion and their fingers will be torn into a thousand pieces. <laughs> wow. But the little mermaid had no occasion to do this, for the polypi sprang back in terror when they caught sight of the glittering potion, which shone in her hand like a twinkling star. So she passed quickly through the woods on the marsh. She saw that in her father's palace, the torches in the ballroom were extinguished and all within were asleep. She did not venture to go into them, for now she was dumb and going to leave them forever. She felt as if her heart would break. She stole into the garden, took a flower from the flower beds of each of her sisters, kissed her hand a thousand times towards the palace, and then rose up through the dark blue waters. The sun had not risen when she came in sight of the prince's palace and approached the beautiful marble steps, but the moon shone clear and bright. Then the Little Mermaid drank the magical potion. <laughs> drink the magical my own potion. My own reflection and shadows. Startled me. you? <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. Hang on. I lost my place. Sorry. No, it's fine. Oh. Then the Little Mermaid drank the magical potion, and it seemed as if a two-edged sword went through her delicate body. She fell into a swoon and lay like one dead. When the sun arose and shone over the sea, she recovered and felt a sharp pain, but just before her stood the handsome young prince. He fixed his coal-black eyes upon her so earnestly that she cast down her own, and then became aware that her fish's tail was gone, and that she was as pretty a pair and that she had as pretty a pair of white legs and tiny feet as any little maiden could have. But she had no clothes, so she wrapped herself in her long, thick hair. The prince asked her who she was and where she came from. She looked at him mildly and sorrowfully with her deep blue eyes, but she could not speak. Each step she took, as the witch had said, would be. She felt as if treading upon the points of needles or sharp knives, but she bore it willingly, but stepped as lightly by the prince's side as a soap bubble, so that he and all who saw her wondered at her graceful swaying movements. She was very soon arrayed in costly robes of silk and muslin and the most beautiful creature in the palace, but she was dumb and could neither sing nor speak. That night at the palace, there was a party with singers and a great sorrow. I changed it because I didn't like what he wrote. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the prince told her that she would remain with him always. He had a page's dress made for her that she might accompany him on horseback. They rode together through the, through the woods, and she climbed with the prince to the tops of high mountains, and although her tender feet bled so that every step was marked, she only laughed and followed him till they could see the clouds beneath them, looking like a flock of birds traveling to distant lands. While at the prince's palace, and while all the household was asleep, she would go and sit in the broad marble steps for it to ease her burning feet to bathe them in the cold sea water when she thought of those below in the deep. 
Once during the night, her sisters came up arm in arm, singing sorrowfully as they floated in the water. She beckoned to them, and then they recognized her and told her how she grieved, how she had grieved them. After that, they came to the same place every night, and once she saw in the distance her old grandmother, who had not been to the surface of the sea for many years, and the old sea king, her father, with his crown on his head. They stretched their hands towards her, but they did not venture so near the land as her sisters did. As the days passed, she loved the prince more fondly, and he loved her as he would love a little child. But it never Uh. came into his head to make her his wife. Yet, unless he married her, she would not receive an immortal soul, and on the morning after his marriage with another, she would dissolve into the foams of the sea. Uh. Do you not love me the best of them all, said the eyes of the little mermaid, seemed to say, as he took her into his arms and kissed her fair forehead. Yes, you are dear to me, said the prince, for you have the best heart, and you are the most devoted to me. You are like a young maiden whom I once saw, but whom I shall never meet again. I was in a ship that was wrecked, and the wave crashed me ashore near a holy temple where several young maidens performed the service. The youngest of them found me on the shore and saved my life. I saw her but twice, and she is the only one in the world whom I could love. So annoying. But you are like her. I know, right? (laughs) You are like her, and you have almost driven her image out of my mind. She belongs to the Holy Temple, and my good fortune has sent you to me instead of her, and we will never part. Ah, he knows not that it was I who saved his life, thought the little mermaid. I carried him over the sea to the woods where the temple stands. I stood beneath the foam and watched till the human beings came to help him. I saw the pretty maiden that he loves better than he loves me, said the mermaid. But she could not shed a tear. He says the maiden belongs to the holy temple. Therefore, she will never return to the world. They will not. They will meet no more while I am at his side and see him every day. I will take care of him and love him and give him my life for his sake. Very soon it was said that the prince must marry and that the beautiful daughter of a neighboring king would be his wife, for a fine ship was being fitted. Although the prince gave out that he merely intended to pay a visit to the king, it was generally supposed that he really went to see his daughter. A great company were to go with him. I must travel, he said to her. I must see this beautiful princess my parents desire, but they will not oblige me to bring her home as my bride. I cannot love her. She is not like the beautiful maiden in the temple whom you resemble. If I were forced to choose a bride, I would rather choose you my dumb foundling. I hate this mystery. <laughs> those expressive... <laughs> it's horrible. With those expressive eyes. Run. And then he kissed her. I know, he's just fucking... He's just... He's just a dick. And then he kissed her rosy mouth, played with her long-waving hair, and laid his hand on her heart while she dreamed of human happiness and an immortal soul. <sighs> it's so upsetting. The next morning, the ship sailed into the harbor of a beautiful town belonging to the king whom the prince was going to visit. The church Mm -hmm. bells were ringing, and from the high tower sounded a flourish of trumpets and soldiers with flying colors and glittering bayonets lined the rocks throughout which they passed. Every day was a festival, balls and entertainment following one another. But But the princess had not yet appeared. People said that she was being brought up and educated in a religious house, where she was learning every royal virtue. At last she came. Then the little mermaid, who was very anxious to see whether she was really beautiful, was obliged to acknowledge that she had never seen a more perfect vision of beauty. Her skin was delicately fair, and beneath her long, dark eyelashes, her laughing blue eyes shone with truth and purity. It was you, said the prince. I know. It was you, said the prince, who saved my life when I lay dead on the beach. No, it fucking wasn't. (laughs) And he folded his blushing bride into his arms. 
Oh, I am too happy, said he to the little mermaid. My fondest hopes are all fulfilled. You will rejoice at my happiness, for your devotion to me is great and sincere. The little mermaid kissed his hand and felt as if her heart were already broken. His wedding morning would bring death to her, and she would change into the foam in the sea. All the church bells ring, and the heralds rode around the town proclaiming the betrothal. Perfumed oils were burned and costly silver lamps on every altar. Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's skip that. Um, when it grew dark and the color of numbered lamp lanterns were hit, and, hit, <laughs> lit, and the sailors danced merrily on the deck, the little mermaid could not help thinking of her first rising out of the sea when she had seen familiar festivals and joy. She joined in the dance, poised herself in the air as a swallow when he pursued his prey, and all present cheered her with wonder. She had never danced so elegantly before. Her tender feet felt as if cut with sharp knives, but she cared not for it. A sharper pang had pierced through her heart. She knew this was the last evening she would ever see the prince, for whom she had forsaken her kindred and her home. She had given up her beautiful voice and suffered unbear unheard of pain daily for him while he knew nothing of it. This was the last evening that she might breathe the same air with him or gaze at the starry sky and the deep sea An eternal night without a thought or a dream awaited her. She had no soul and nor would she ever win one. All was joy and gaiety on board ship on board ship till long after midnight. She laughed and danced with the rest while the thoughts of death were in her heart. The prince kissed his beautiful bride while she played with his raven hair till they went arm in arm to rest in the splendid tent. The little mermaid leaned her white arms on the edge of the vessel and looked towards the east for the first blush of morning, for that first ray of dawn that would bring her death. She saw her sisters riding out, rising out of the flood. They were as pale as herself, but their long, beautiful hair waved no more in the wind. It had been cut off. We have given our hair to the witch, they said, to obtain help for you, that you may not die tonight. She has given us a knife. Here it is. See, it is very sharp. Before the sun rises, you must plunge it into the heart of the prince. Where the warm blood falls upon your feet, they will grow together again and form into a fish's tail. And you will be once more a mermaid and return to live out your 300 years before you die and change into the sea foam. Haste, then he or you must die before sunrise. <gasps> Our old grandmother moans so for you that her white hair is falling off from sorrow, so ours fell under the witch's scissors. Kill the prince and come back. Do not see the first red. Do you not see the first red streaks in the sky? In a few moments, the sun will rise and you must die. Then they sighed deeply and mournfully and sank down beneath the waves. The little mermaid drew back the crimson curtain of the tent and beheld the fair bride with her head resting on the prince's breast. She bent down and kissed his fair brow, then looked at the sky on which the rosy dawn grew brighter and brighter. So she glanced at the sharp knife and again fixed her eyes on the prince, who whispered the name of his bride in his dreams. She was in his thoughts, and the knife trembled in the hands of the little mermaid. Then she flung it far away from her, into the waves. The water turned red where it fell, and the drops that spurted out looked like blood. Yikes. Ugh. She cast one more lingering, half-feigning glance at the prince, and then threw herself from the ship into the sea, and thought her body was dissolving into foam. The sun rose above the waves, and his warm rays fell on the cold foam of the little mermaid, who did not feel as if she was dying. She saw the bright sun, and all around her floated hundreds of transparent, beautiful beings. She could see them through the white sails of the ship and the red clouds on the sky. Their speech was melodious and too ethereal to be heard by mortal ears, as they were also unseen by mortal eyes. The little mermaid perceived that she had a body like theirs, and that she continued to rise higher and higher out of the foam, 
where am I? asked she, and her voice sounded ethereal, as the voice of those whom, who were with her. No earthly music could imitate it. Amongst the daughters of the air, answered one of them, a mermaid has not an immortal soul, no sh nor can she obtain one unless she wins the love of a human being. On the power of another hangs her eternal destiny, but the daughters of the air, although they do not possess an immortal soul, can, by their good deeds, procure one for themselves. We fly to warm countries and cool the sultry air that destroys mankind with the pestilence. We carry the perfume of flowers to spread health and restoration. After we have strive, striven for three hundred years to all the good in our power, we receive an immortal soul and take part in the happiness of mankind. You poor little mermaid have tried with your whole heart to do as we are doing. You have suffered and endured and raised yourself to the spirit world by your good deed. And now by striving for three hundred years in the same, you may obtain an immortal soul. An immortal soul. The little mermaid lifted her glorified eyes towards the sun and felt them for the first time filling with tears. On the ship in which she had left the prince, there, were, there was life and noise. She saw him and his beautiful bride searching for her. Sorrowfully, they gazed at the pearly foam as if they knew she had thrown herself into the waves. Unseen, she kissed the forehead of the bride and fanned the prince, and then mounted with the other children of the air to the rosy clouds that floated through the ether. The end. Wow. So she doesn't actually die. She gets an opportunity to live She gets on. an opportunity to have an immortal soul. In three I guess years. she gets an immortal soul because so she didn't kill him. Well, uh, I don't know. Because the Daughters of the Wind didn't have an immortal soul. And they had to, like, fly around the world bringing the scent of flowers to people. Yeah. I used to have an illustrated version of this story, and I'm trying to see if I can find it. Oh, of the Hans Christian Andersen? Yeah. Ooh. Because I, re like, I've read it, I know, and I know it's upsetting. I think this is it. But maybe not. I'll have to look around and see if I can find it. Well, there you go. Yeah. Fucked up but, story uh, of the little Why didn't you just kill him? I. Like, he was such a dick. He's such a dick. Such a dick. And he didn't, yeah, he didn't love her, and he was so condescending to her. He just didn't love her like that. No. He was just no, a jerk. Like, he was just yeah. a jerk. I don't know. Just the worst. Anyway, could, there you we go. We could dive into it. We could really, like, he Tear doesn't have to love her. No. She, but she, like, doesn't even know him. Well, and her sisters cut off all their hair. To try to hair. save her life, and so yeah, I mean, I'm guessing and their, that their hair her grandma grows was back. distraught. Like her grandma was distraught, her dad was distraught. Like all these people love you and, and want you to come home, and you want, still threw your life away for a guy who didn't didn't love you. Love you. So sad, sad. Yeah. Anyway, there upsetting. you go. It is upsetting. And the whole, Thank like, you. knife thing, and, yeah. Yeah. Just... <sighs> Poor Little Mermaid. Poor Little Mermaid. Poor Nana. Poor Nana. Poor Nana. <laughs> Poor Nana. <laughs> Love you so much. <laughs> I don't have to explain my quotes. Nope. <laughs> Ever. 
Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, today we're going to talk about, we just had our kind of like midwinter changeover. Mm, getting yeah. closer to spring. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about the goddesses of spring from different Ooh. cultures around the world and some of the celebrations that Love it. they get like for them. English. I love it. I love that for them. Yeah, I love that for them. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I definitely did these notes like one at a time. Yeah. And out of order, and then put them in an order and never reread them. So love it. That was me get, and the little mermaid right now. You're so. gonna get what you're gonna get. It was perfect. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here we are. Spring is this personification and rebirth of life renewed each year. There's something definitely feminine. Mm. Um and all fem or divine feminine is what I wrote. Um mm. definitely a divine feminine energy that we think about when it comes to rebirth and the coming of spring. So this is also an indication of what kind of season and what kind of summer harvest is going to bring um and what these different like societies could expect right okay so the first goddess we're going to talk about is olwen <laughs> i was i have them all right now i was like i know how to say this and then i'm going to question it every time so olwen is a celtic slash welch myth deity there we go okay um, and she's a goddess of sunlight. Her name literally translates to white track. And this is actually meant like as she like walks around, she leaves a trail of either white clovers or white flowers. Ooh, um, that's so pretty. So she like brings forth the coming of yeah. spring, right? It's very um, Fantasia-esque. Yes. Yeah. I think this is what the goddess of spring is based off of. Maybe one of them. Mm -hmm. If not, Alwyn, maybe another one. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, she's also known to have golden hair that shines. It's supposed to be lighter than a broom. Lighter than a broom? Yeah. Like straw. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is also a personification of sun and why she is associated with spring. Okay. Her father, who is a giant, actually, was fated to die if she ever married. Oh, no. Yeah. So, apparently, he wasn't a great guy or she didn't oh. really care about her dad dying because she yeah. fell in love. And this, she fell in love. And this guy was like, I need to marry you. I'll do whatever I can do to marry you. And her dad's like, all right, well, I'm going to give you 13 tasks. That you have to complete. And they were very Whoa. challenging. Yes. Um, very challenging to complete. Um, and the suitor's name is. Kolvich. Or Kilvich. Um, and he's actually a cousin of King Arthur. So King Arthur. So this is an Arthurian myth. Um, King Arthur actually helps him beat these 13 tasks. And the dad giant dies 
and they're able to get married. Wow. Yeah. So that's what was. What was one of the tasks that was so hard? That's a fantastic question. Excellent. We'll miss. And I will have it for you when we miss stakes. For sure. Excellent. Perfect. The next goddess we're going to talk about is Brigitte or Bridget. Um, Mm -hmm. there. However you want to say it, I saw it written. B-R-I-G-I-T and I-D as well. So Brigitte. Okay. Um, also a Celtic goddess, but she's a goddess of fertility and motherhood, which is a theme today, guys. It's a theme. <laughs> um, she said to also be a master of healing as well as smithing. So she's honored by many oh. people. So, okay. you know, like you would pay your homage or do rituals or offerings to her if you were a smith or if you were a farmer or if you were in medicine like she just touched a lot of different um areas um she's also in honored in a midwinter festival called imbloch um very much the opposite of samhain so the celebration is the coming of spring where samhain is like the coming of winter oh but it's still like it's not equinox it's early so it actually happens on february 1st every year or around that time so Mm -hmm. it goes hand in hand with like groundhog day um that six weeks mark it's halfway through winter um the translation of emblock is actually in the belly so it means spring is on the way so it's like like a womb you know yeah um, mm-hmm. And spring is going to be reborn. It's also lambing season. Oh. And Bridget is a goddess of domesticated animals. So she's honored with that as well, I suppose. Yes, we love all the new babies in the spring. Yes. It's fresh. They're so <laughs> cute and fluffy. They're so cute. Um, this holiday takes place, as I said, on February 1st. During the holiday, you can offer coins, food, and it's often brought to waterways or wells to honor her. Okay. Um, Aseya. Um, Aseya is a goddess in West African religions, and she is the fertility goddess. And her husband, Nimene, uh, is the god who brings the rain. So together they are rebirth and growth. Um, she's often honored and sometimes um, or honored annually and sometimes biannually with a large gathering with family um, and where they share food and they feast. Hmm. Um, she doesn't usually have any formalized temples, but is honored while like farmers are working with soil for the first time in the season, um, mm-hmm. as well as t- they will take Thursdays off, which is her sacred day. To honor her. Um, Kostroma is the Russian fertility goddess. And she's the personification of spring. Weird. Um, Her name is translated into bonfire. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So at the end of each spring, she's said to die. And then she is reborn at the end of each winter. Um. The rites of Semek 
are devoted to her. So that's what her festival is called. And um, during the festival, there is a straw figure that portrays Kostromana. Kostraw. <laughs> Why did I forget how to say this? Kostroma. There we go. I was like... <laughs> Storm... <laughs> Uh, Kostroma. Um, so the straw figure portrays, portrays Kostroma. And at first the figured is honored and they like pray to her or they like, you know, go to her feet and cherish this figure. Yeah. But then it changes and they either burn her Yikes. or tear her okay. apart with their hands oh oh and okay. this is a tradition to improve soil quality and fertility okay and yeah she just goes through the cycle of being there and death yeah and- then not yeah the burning i can understand the tearing apart with the hands i don't understand quite as much but the burning i understand yeah it feels violent and actually, it, it reminded me a lot of Midsummer. Yeah. 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 It makes me like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet there's some similar. Oh, know, for sure. Folklore. Interesting. And then inspiration. So anyway. Interesting. Hmm. The next one is my favorite one because I had okay. no idea she has existed. Artero. Or Artrio? Okay. Artio. I don't know if the E is hard or the I is hard or... I don't know if it's an I or an E, but it's an I. Okay. Anyway, she is a Swiss slash Celtic bear goddess. <gasps> yeah. She's a fucking bear. That's amazing. Um, she's considered a Dwiss. A Dwiss. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> she's considered a swiss deity because the because of the celtic tribe who migrated to switzerland around 450 bc so it was a traditionally like a celtic myth but it was adopted in switch swiss so fuck me swiss <laughs> mythology i'm gonna Got start it. saying that to do warm-ups now swish swiss mythology <laughs> swiss myth that's tough. Swish. Swish. It's Swish. Swish. Swiss mythology. Yeah, that's tough. Yep. That Swiss. There you get go. You. Get that you. Swiss will get you. Um, <laughs> and so, anyway, she's personified or represented as a female bear because bear, bears actually conceive in the fall when they have babies mm. and then they go into hibernation pregnant and then they emerge with their new cub. Have their Again, babies while they're in hibernation, it's symbolizing wild. rebirth and offspring and like new babies at the beginning of spring. Ugh. Baby um, bears, oh, cute. get out of here with that. She also symbolizes wildlife, transformation, and abundance. So, bears are also associated with ship shipping. <gasps> yeah. So this is, again, a transformation, a change from one thing into another. And so there's some, like, 
um, artwork I saw where she's a bear or she's a woman who can change into a bear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was definitely thinking about like brave and I was thinking about oh, for sure. brother bear as well, where like bears and transformation, like both Disney mm-hmm. movies I can think of have a transformation into and bears. the bear is the transformation, right? Yeah. I never drew that parallel before. Why are you a bear? <laughs> You're supposed to change your mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, hibernation has its own meaning with change and transformation. So it's another reason she gets that association. Aoster is a pagan goddess of dawn. And she is celebrated during the spring equinox, which was actually the original ancient Germanic celebration of Easter. Okay. Aoster, Easter. Mm. Um, And Aoster, or some part of that word, is German April. So it like, it's like in the month of April. So. Easter is actually an ancient holiday that predates Christianity and has nothing to do with Jesus originally. <laughs> um, actually still determined today by the pagan solar calendar or lunar calendar. Um, so if you're trying to figure out when Easter is, it's the Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. So this was decided long before Jesus was crucified kind of thing even a whisper even a whisper before he was a thought mm-hmm. um painting eggs bright colors is actually original pagan tradition as well as rabbits also symbolizing fertility um so aoster this all relates back to her and she is honored a lot more she's a, becoming more prevalent with modernization of like pagan traditions um yeah. and you know, her stories are being retold and you can look into some of the old ancient like pagan traditions for Easter if you don't celebrate Christian Easter. Yeah, I didn't know that rabbits were like such a big part of like paganism. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's interesting. Yep. Anyway. Those are my spring goddesses for you and some of their celebrations. I feel like I could do a whole episode on Amblock and also on Easter. So I might come back and do a little bit more dive into the, that history soon. I would love it. That was great. So cool. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Why did I make you small? In a minute, I'm Anita Sentimental. Man, I <laughs> Let me tell you though. Tell me, me too. Oh, right. Me too. It's a long. It's a long day at work, man. She, mm-hmm. she oh, would have. Th- you would have thought for a holiday. You would have thought for a holiday that people would have been like, "No, I don't need to go to Colombia." That is not the case. <laughs> they need to go to Colombia. They need to go to Colombia. They got to travel. People people got to travel. People got to travel all the time. All the time. Yep. Anyway, 
thank you guys for tuning in today. We're sorry we missed you for so long, but we're back. We're here. We're ready to put out more episodes for you. So make sure you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and say hi. Tell us if you missed us. Yeah, you can send us an email telling us how much you missed us at morethanmythspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear. We would love to hear how much you missed us. Please. Uh, wherever you podcast, we also podcast. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, we're all over the place. Um, if you have a minute, you can just leave a review or follow and subscribe. Just gives the little pot a little pump. Yep, it sure does. And remember, if you love us, to tell your friends, tell your family, and to tell everyone you know. Tell, climb up on the roof and scream it to the world. <laughs> Please. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.